0: All right, well, um, yes, Uh, good evening, everybody. Uh, It is uh, awesome to be back here with you again. Um, This series has been so good. For me, uh, the Lord's Prayer has been one of these things that you kind of grow up with if you grow up in the church. Like you have to memorize it for Sunday school and like recite it, and you get a lolly or something like that. Um, but it would never go any, any anywhere deeper than that or, or further than that. It would kind of just be like, you know it, good. Let's move on. Um, and so for me, it's really cool that in this series we, we're diving deeper into it because it is just a simple like set of lines of words and things like that. But there's so much depth and uh, these. These little little lines can actually reveal so much of who God is to us as a father figure, um, as well as guide us in the way we approach him as as well. Um, So let's get into it. I'm going to start with praying. Father God, I thank you so much uh, for this incredible group of people that we have here in this place tonight, Lord. And I pray uh, that you use me, use my words and my experiences to communicate uh, a bit of your heart tonight, Lord God, when it comes to your provision um, in our world today. In your name I pray. Amen. Can I get a little like more house so I can actually see people a little bit more? Perfect. Thank you. So, daily bread brings up daily questions. What does daily bread mean or look like in our lives? Does God hear our requests? Does he care about our requests? Is there a limit to what can be provided? Does he answer and provide? If he does, then how does he do it? If God provides daily bread, why do I need to work? Why does God provide one thing, like money for a good cause, yet seem to remain silent when I'm crying out for my friend to be healed from cancer? What about the people who He doesn't provide for? Does God play favorites? Why does manna from heaven fall in mass quantities for some people, yet I can't even afford to pay my power bill? Is there something I've done or am doing that is disqualified? Me from receiving from him? These questions are hard to answer. They're unsettling and can quickly challenge our relationship and perspective on who God is as a father figure. But they're the questions that come up when you start to dive deeper into the line give us this day our daily bread. Here in this verse, God invites us to make requests of him, ask him for daily provision. But sometimes this doesn't pan out how we would expect it to. And then it's made more confusing and challenging because there are other verses that say things like this. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish... We'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, uh, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Found in Matthew 7.7. 7. God's provision. You could spend years trying to wrap your head around it and never get anywhere. Mainly because we're not God. And we can't think or understand things all the way he does. But my hope tonight is that we can come close to a broader understanding of what God's provision in our life can look like and what it means to be living a life receiving God's daily bread. I think it's easy to view something like God's provision with a narrow, focused view. And tonight, I want to try to help us broaden that perspective, see things that we might not have seen before. Because our God is a God of relationship, Unlimited resource, infinite love, and he gives us permission to make requests of him, and we should. I speak tonight from the perspective of someone who has lived the last three years hugely depending on God's daily bread. For Vika and I, we've been living the last three years as full-time missionaries with Stager here in Toronga. Stager doesn't pay its missionaries. Each missionary lives off the generosity of those that believe in what they are doing. The last three years, Vika and, and I have, between the two of us, living on around about less than 25K a year. I don't say that to make you feel sad for us or anything because I know for a fact that there are people here in the city who have to live on even less. Vika and I have never gone wanting and we've never, uh, we've never wanted for any. We've always been taken care of, and for that, I'm eternally grateful. To live as a missionary, especially in your home country, is, is a weird thing. For instance, say our support funds go, go down for whatever reason. Uh, me, Bernie, who's born and bred in this country and able to, to work, could just get up and go get a job. And throughout this period of time, there has been definitely the right moments to do that. But most often it wouldn't work as the role or responsibilities that I had been assigned to me would result in a workload that was equal to that of a full-time job with a huge component of it working internationally. So instead of going out and getting a job because that just wouldn't work because the ministry stuff would suffer, I would get down on my knees and pray and ask God for His provision. It's a weird tension, and, I, and, it, and it's an incredibly uncomfortable tension. This dynamic of, well, you could work, but you're choosing not to because you're pursuing what you feel you're called to, but there's no funds there currently. So, what do you, it's, it's a weird tension. And it's even in this moment now, as I reflect on this journey we've been on and the fact that we're now moving out of that type of work into something new, it still confuses and perplexes me and is incredibly hard to describe. But I say it to give you insight into what our life has been like. We have been actively seeking after God's daily bread from every single day. For Vika and I, uh, we feel very fortunate to be able to say this. We have seen uh, in our own lives God's hand of provision again and again. Him answering when we pray in these ways. We have a number of stories from this time and, we've, and we've, what times we've we been absolutely blown away by God's provision, and here are just a few of the stories. So we were going to celebrate our six-month wedding anniversary, and we'd been saving up quite a bit of money for it, and so we were able to go out, and we were going to stay the night in this hotel and this place and um, go out for dinner and do all these kind of nice little things, and nothing, like, elaborate or crazy, just a nice little night away to relax, to enjoy it kind of thing, and so we'd been saving up in order to be able to do this. So we arrived, and we checked in, uh, and the hotel people like, oh, there's like underground car parking that you need to park in. And like, all right, sure. And we go and do that. Little did we know in the morning when we came to check out that there was this extra charge for parking in the underground car park overnight. And it kind of blew our budget completely. And so we're like, um, all right, our car is locked in this underground car park. Uh, we're not going to be able to get it back unless we pay for this. And there's nothing else we can really do. And so and I prayed about it. And I don't know whether it was, you know, I don't think it was because we prayed potentially or it was just, you know, God just being awesome, but we checked our bank account after praying and the exact amount we needed to be able to get our car out of the car park had managed to come through. A couple of years ago, my... For for what I do within Stag, I do a lot of kind of creative and technically stuff like music stuff and video stuff. And so uh, my computer had to be quite... a decent computer, and my one was currently dying. And so I was kind of going through the process, like, do I try and do the things to make it last longer? Do I uh, try and do less so that it can pr- prolong the life of it and stuff like that? And so while I was in the process of going through all these different thoughts and, and trying to think about it and figure it out, um, I got this email in my inbox. Hey, Bernie, we really believe in what you're doing, and so we'd like to make a $5,000 donation to you and what you're doing. And I replied, what's well, is this my uncle from Nigeria? <laughs> they said, no, we, we really believe in what you're doing and we want you to use this money to, to for, for you, for, for whatever you might need it to be used for. I, I replied again, are you sure this isn't just a general donation to Steiger or to the No Longer Music Tour I'm, I'm organizing at the moment? They're like, no, it's for you, man. Come on, just take it. Um, and through that very kind, generous donation, I was able to get a new computer that has enabled me to last for, for, for ages, and it's going to continue to last me for ages, and enable me to do things I wasn't able to do before. I say, I say these kind of like simple stories to, just to make you aware that, you know, God is active and caring in what we might seem as trivial little things, but for me, it's just like mind-blowing stuff. Another example of this is um, towards the end of last year, we started raising money for Vika and I to go to the U.S. so that Vika would be able to see her family. And uh, which she hadn't seen in like three years' time, and for me to connect with other missionary partners and stuff like that and do some, do some work overseas. And we kind, of, we kind of put it out there, hoping people would stand with us and, and, and things. And I remember writing in one newsletter, I think, about it. Uh, help us Help us get there, uh, so we can pay, help us, if you, would you be willing to donate to us so we could pay for the flights and the accommodation and even buy a box of peanut butter M&Ms. Like, just this little throwaway line, like, I thought nothing of. And... A couple of days later we went out to the letterbox to clear our mail and there was this kind of package there. And we opened up the package and uh, there was this lovely, lovely note saying, hey, hope this helps. And there was a a donation towards our trip, but also a box of peanut butter M&Ms from Anonymous. The same same thing, like we were actually only able to go on that trip through the generosity of, of someone donating so that 50% 50% of all our flights and things were recovered so that we were able to go. Again, anonymous. And so I'd like to take the opportunity quickly. I don't know who any of these people are, whether they're going to be watching on the internet or they're here. I just want to say thank you. Um, it enabled Vika to reconnect with her family for the first time in three years and allowed me to go through a journey and, and to meet with people and to pray and to progress things in a, in a way that wouldn't have happened otherwise. And to me there's no other explanation or way of figuring out like how this stuff happens unless it's for God working through the lives of our brothers and sisters to provide for one another. And I think it's an incredible, beautiful thing. I acknowledge that it's, it's quite a unique position that we have been in. And for many of you, you may never find yourselves in such a similar position. But I hope that from what we've learned, there are lessons that you can take and apply to your own lives. And so what I want to do for the next considerable part of tonight's message is kind of look at the four lessons that I've learned over the last three years of living uh, this kind of faith-based ministry stuff, the living on God's daily bread. The first of this is, it challenges your perspective on what is enough. God's daily bread versus God's daily steak. When I was growing up, my parents uh, met with, you know, family friends of ours, and they were introduced to this amazing uh, finance system that teaches your kids how to be really good with money. And so the, the idea was that they would take uh, a year's worth of expenditure, like how much us kids would spend on things like movies and, you know, clothes and all, all that kind of stuff, like school requirement stuff, like they would, they would take all that into account and then uh, and, and figure it out for an entire year and then divide it down into two weekly installments. And the idea was every two weeks, we would receive a sum of money. And that money would then be should be used for, you know, tithing a church, a little bit of savings, a little bit of fun money, uh, but then also clothes and, and other stuff as well. So to them, they're like, this is gonna be great. This is gonna be perfect. We're gonna like save money because the kids are gonna have exactly the right amount of money they're gonna need to be able to do anything they want this year. For them, it was that's what they were thinking. Meanwhile, over here, 13-year-old Bernie Cowan getting $80 every two weeks. Let's go buy that new video game. Let's go buy that, those new clothes. Let's go buy McDonald's every day for a week. For me, it was like, this is incredible. I have all this money. I can go buy what I want right now. Instead of being like, okay, here's my amount. There's parts for that. There's parts for this. This parts for that. I should save this for a few weeks so that I can go get that. Instead, it was, I have all this. I want that now. Oh, I don't have anything left. Mom, can I have some more money? It was this different perspective of the kids obviously have enough. We've figured it out. It should be enough. To us being like, nah, it's not enough. It's hardly hardly enough. And I think for us in our relationship with God and the way he provides and and things, we can can view it in a similar way. You know, we can be like, God, I don't... where are you? You're not, you're not providing for me in this situation. Or like, why isn't this happening? Or uh, what's going on here? And God's like, have you seen the world you I created for you to live in? You live in New Zealand? You have a loving family and friends? Like, Sometimes God's perspective is so broad and so big that we get lost in it because we're looking at one little detail of it. Our, our perspectives are, are, are different. I think this is incredibly hard as well for people of my generation, aka the fast food generation, where you can have it your way and have it now. And you know, we always want the immediate, like, give us, give us what we want. Like, you know what we want, give it to us. But I don't think I don't think God works like that. <laughs> Mainly because He you know, has to look after everybody, not just one individual person's like soul needs and things like that. But um I think, I think we struggle because sometimes God will just give us the basics and provide us uh, with the essentials of what we need, and then it comes down to us and hard work in order to get to some of the things we desire. Like if I was to go, God, I want a Ferrari, He might go, Bernie, ha, that's funny, um, there's a great public transport, go use that. Rub shoulders with the people that I created, but God, I want a Ferrari, well... Work harder. All right. I don't know. I don't think that, I don't know how that conversation will go, but it might go like that. Um, but Rick Warren writes, "Our prayer for our daily bread does not mean you sit on the couch and wait for God to throw you money. You've got to work. Even the Israelites had to go out and pick up the manna when they lived in the wilderness. Work is a part of God's purpose for your life. It builds character." Quoting Proverbs fourteen twenty three, "Hard work always pays off." Mere talk puts no bread on the table. But I want to encourage this as well. Like we shouldn't be like timid in terms of going out there and asking God. We can make any request to Him. He invites it. But it's up to His discretion as to what to provide to us. When I was younger, like eight, I think, there was a good, consistent like six month period where every single night I prayed, God. Make me be able to fly like Superman. Every single every single night for like a good consistent period. Uh, fast forward to like when I was like 15, and I, I got the opportunity to go and do like little private plane flying lesson kind of thing, like the little two seater things, um, where it's just like thin door, death, um, kind of next to you. And long story short, Bernie plus small planes plus turbulence plus. Uh, instructors who like to like, stall-dive you without warning equals Bernie doesn't like flying small planes anymore. And I think God knew this when I was eight. And that is why I can't fly today. Lesson number two. It makes you vulnerable with others. Sometimes you have to make public requests. And then God works through your friends, families, other families, or complete strangers. There's this wrestle with missionaries. Should we be like George Mueller, who never asked publicly for anything but seemed to receive again and again? Or do we ask publicly, say via a newsletter, and hope that we're not seen as needy or burdensome? For me, I probably fall more into, the, more into the second camp than the first. I, I do do both, um, but I, I believe we live in quite a different kind of like cultural setting to what we read about in the New Testament letters and things. I'm not saying like you should throw the whole thing out because it's irrelevant or anything. It's totally not. It's, I just think in just, in just one specific aspect, it's different. And I think it's this. It's Back then, they were rubbing shoulders with one another every single day. They knew absolutely everything about Josiah's crop that failed or his cousin's sister who lost a trinket on the journey to Damascus. You know, like, they were in, in, intimately ingrained in each other's lives and understood more about one another. There was nothing to hide, in those, especially in those early uh, Christian kind of communities and groups and stuff like that. And that's where you see, like, they shared everything because they, they knew what was going on within each other. Whereas I think today, and this is where it's a bit challenging, a little bit different, there could be people in this room that we love and care about, but we are totally oblivious to some of the stuff they're going through, totally oblivious to maybe the struggle they have or the difficulty they're having, uh, the bills they can't pay or the, the fine they receive for whatever, you know, like all the family trouble and stuff like that. We just, we don't know that, not because we don't care, it's just the way we do life is different to the way we did life then. And so for me, um, because there are all those verses about like, don't be a... Burden sermon, stuff like that. There's a difference between being a burden to someone and asking them to partner with you when you go through something. Excuse me. All the burps. Perfect timing. Mid-sermon. All right, let's carry on. There, there is a difference when you, ask, you invite someone to believe in the same thing or like mission or vision that you too believe in. Um, and there's this beautiful thing. like We're a diverse body. Some people are really good at making money. Some people are not so good at making money, but really good at going out to the front lines of the world and sharing about Jesus. These people potentially aren't able to do that. But, but connecting and joining together, they could resource this person to go and do that. So on behalf of that person here, those people out in the field are receiving the gospel of Jesus. But to me, there's, there's no magic solution as to how you know, you're supposed to share you know, ask these requests or like how it's supposed to come together with like people helping you and things like that. There's no, uh, there's no magic solution and, and both ways have, you know, both ways work and I've seen both ways work in my own life. There's, uh, I received a phone call the other day from a guy who called Anthony and he's like, hey, over the last like year and a half, there's been these moments where I felt like I needed to call you, but I felt at the same time that I shouldn't call you because what's going on for you right now is really intense, so I should pray for you instead. He had no idea about the journey that Vicar and I had been on with with her anxiety and and that year and a half period was like some of the craziest times we'd ever had. He had no idea about that but God had put it on his heart to pray for us and we on the other side in those moments were praying for God to to help us and to support us and stuff like that and so God moved in that way. Just like those stories I was sharing before came as a result of we putting it out there within our newsletters that we needed help, that we needed support um, and it came through through that way. So both seem to work and it's becoming okay with both of them, but it's, it can be a bit tricky and hard to understand. Lesson number three, daily bread isn't always money or healing. Sometimes God provides in a way that doesn't look like bread, but still sustains you. And uh, last time I was able to speak here, a large portion of what I shared was focused on Uh, the journey Vika and I had been on over the last little while with her anxiety. And I know for sure, and this is where I learned this lesson, that if it wasn't for God acting in those moments, firstly helping Vika through those, but also keeping me strong and upright, like I could have been in in just as bad a place as Vika was in some of those moments, but I truly felt um, in those moments just just an outpouring of God's grace and His sustenance on a daily level. Every single day I was able to draw from God in order for me to be able to continue and to be able to keep to fight for on the behalf of, of, of Vika. So for me, uh, in those moments, daily bread was a daily portion of faith, a daily portion of hope that I would cling to and, and nibble at and, and try to make last as long as possible. It says in Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Going back to Rick Warren, this is a continuation of what he was saying before. Bread is a symbol for the Bible, which is our spiritual food. When the children of Israel were walking to the promised land, God dropped manna from heaven for the people to pick up because they had nothing to eat. Warren explains God gave them this bread to teach them that people need more than bread for their life. Real life comes by feeding on every word of the Lord. You don't just need physical nourishment, you also need spiritual nourishment. God provides for us in ways far wider than just financial and or physical. And this line of this prayer reminds us of us, of, us of that, that God can be our daily sustenance. That we lean into God for our strength. We lean into God regularly with what's going on for us in our lives. Regularly coming back to Him. Regularly coming and receiving from Him. Listen number four. God doesn't always provide. And there isn't normally an explanation. And we need to be okay with that. It's not because He's limited in resource or ability. Sometimes it's just because we are fragile, mortal creatures that are meant to live forever in these bodies. God operates in us and, and through us while we still live in a broken world. He knows that if we know Him and trust Him, that this temporary time of sickness and fragility will at some point be over, and then we get to live in eternity with Him where there is no sickness, frailty, or poverty. I can't answer the question. Why God sometimes provides the perfect amount of healing for some, and will provide the perfect amount of resource, but doesn't for for others? I, I can't answer that. I, I don't know why. But I trust in God, who is far wiser, far stronger, and powerful than I could ever be. Who is a fair judge and one who loves us intimately. I trust that he has our best interests in his heart and on his mind. I trust that when I cry, yell, get scared, or have my heart broken or I'm disappointed, that he is right there by me, empathizing with me, reassuring me that it is going to be okay, that he's got this. Even if there isn't an immediate response or action, I trust in the one who will one day make all things right, but is also the one who is with me as I go through today's struggles. To end tonight, I want to read a quote from a fantastic movie called Keeping Mum*. Rowan Atkinson plays the role of a vicar from the, from the small town of Little Wallop. The movie closes with him making a sermonette, sermonette entitled, God's Mysterious Ways. What, in the end, all this comes down to is how we deal in life with the problems we have to face. Sometimes it's a question of just taking action, of making decisions, of involving others, of finding your resolve and seeing it through. But at other times, it's about something much less tangible. Sometimes all it takes is a little grace, A little of God's grace. And all our problems seem to fade away. Now should we demand an explanation from our Lord? Question his methods? Or should we merely enjoy the benefits? Well I don't think the good Lord wants us to question too much. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 8. My ways are not your ways. And I think what he basically means by that is, I'm mysterious folks, get used to it. God's actions can feel mysterious at times, and I truly believe that in this life there are things we will never get answers to. Like, why did God create spiders? That's a personal one. But one thing we can know for certain is that He is close to us. He hears us, and, through his, and though His actions may not always line up with the responses we want, as we read in Romans 8, verse 27, "...He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit." Because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. God's daily bread. God's daily sustenance. God's daily provision of hope for each and every single one of us something that we can cling to, something that can get us through, something that we can place our future in, God's daily bread. The ultimate provision He has made for us is the ability to know His Son, Jesus Christ, that He would lay down His life for us so that we may know God through the Son. It's a beautiful thing. It's a, it's a hard thing. It's a confusing thing, but it is indeed a beautiful thing: living a life dependent on the daily bread, dependent on God, on our interactions with God, and God interacting with us in our day-to-day life. I just want to pray to close, and uh, we're going to sing some more, some more songs. And if you feel like you need to respond in any way to this, whether it's to, you know, come come to God and say, "Hey, I, I've been rejecting your daily bread, your daily." offering of sustenance in my life, help me to correct this, or whether it's I have a request of you, God, and I have been beating away at the walls and things like that, trying to get you to hear And I feel like you can't hear. Come, uh, we've got incredible people who would love to pray for you. Our God is mysterious, but He's not foreign. He's not distant, and He cares about each and every single one of you. Let's pray. Father God, I, I thank you for For everything you do for each and every single one of us, Lord, I thank you for how uh, interested and active you are in our lives, Lord God, and how you do provide in the big ways and in the small ways, Lord God, that you want to be a daily part of our lives, Lord. And I pray uh, for my brothers and sisters here, Lord, who may have a request of you that they have been too afraid to ask. Or they feel like they're the person who asks too much and they're not hearing anything, Lord. I pray you bring your peace. I pray you bring your refreshment. I pray you bring your daily bread to each and every single one of them so that they leave this place feeling uh, sustained and full of your hope, Lord God. I pray that these words have done what you wanted them to do, Lord. And I pray that you are actively working each and every single person here in this place, Lord, where my words were not enough, Lord God. If anything, I pray, Lord, that we take away from tonight that you want to be part of our lives so much. That you care so deeply and so powerfully and passionately for us. Lord, may we not be afraid to let you in. In your name I pray. Amen.